Hello, hello. This is Kathy Cola's Audiobooks, and today we have episode five of Operation Arrow Fletcher by James Burns. Carly's hypnosis takes her back to the time when she met Beau at Walter Reed Medical Center. Beau and Carly develop a relationship that neither one of them expected. I did have to make this a little bit more PG, but you guys will get the drift. Here we go. One of your patients is named Bo Harris, the head nurse informed Carly. He can be a handful. There are times he becomes really anxious and has episodes of anger. Fighting some kind of demon, I suppose. Is he violent? Carly asked. He's never threatened staff or indicated that he wanted to, but he has punched holes in the walls of his room. Bo came from a small town from northern Michigan called Grayling. He was a star player on the football team and led them to a state championship. He was a canine handler in the Corps and was injured in the Iraq War when his Humvee hit a mine. He was the only survivor. The battle trauma caused hysterical blindness from which he has since recovered. Carly looked down at the yellow pad she had scribbled notes on and then back at Nurse Harrington. I think I got it. I just feel so bad for him. Can I give you some advice? Sure. Try not to get too emotionally involved. It'll affect your care. These vets need us so much that we have to keep our distance and take care of ourselves. If you don't, you won't last a month. Taking a deep breath, Carly grabbed her drink and magazine cart, pressed the lever with her foot, releasing the locking wheel, and headed to Beau's room. Parking her cart just inside the door, Carly smelled fresh drywall paste and noticed numerous patched spots on the walls. Sitting in the only chair, staring at a blank TV screen, was Beau. Hey, Carly said. Beau turned looked at Carly and said nothing, staring at her in silence, no emotion on his face. Carly summoned the courage and asked, Would you like a magazine? As she held up two Sports Illustrated. As if being insulted, Bo barked, How the fuck you think I'm going to read? I can't even remember my ABCs. He then turned away from Carly and mumbled, Dumb bitch. Visibly shaken, Carly regained her composure and continued the conversation. Would you rather have some music? I have a lot to choose from. Bo said nothing. He kept staring at the blank TV screen and ignored her. Giving up for the day, Carly bent to push the cart, but it wouldn't budge. In her haste, she had forgotten to release the locking wheel. Realizing this, She tapped the pedal and released the brake, then headed to the door. With her guts twisting in her belly, she stopped and said, I come every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. See you day after tomorrow. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday was the same. It's me again, Carly would say in a sing-song voice as she entered Beau's room. She would freshen his water, make his bed, and replace the magazines he did not read. His tortured look staring at that blank TV screen 
made Carly feel bad for all the wounded vets who returned from the war so broken. Carly was in her second month at Walter Reed when filling his glass of water, she heard something that surprised her. Thank you, Bo barely uttered, looking at the floor. Carly straightened up and looked at him. That's about time you noticed me. I get hit on all the time by the other vets, and I was starting to think you were gay. Bo cracked half a smile and told her that since his accident, he couldn't remember if he was straight or gay. For the first time, laughter spilled out into the hallway. Would you like me to read a Sports Illustrated magazine to you? Carly asked. I heard you were quite the football player in high school. After a few seconds of struggling to comprehend the question, Bo said in a low voice, No one's read to me in a long while. You have any of those books with finger puppets, like that Hungry Caterpillar book? Caught off guard by his response, Carly began to laugh. Wasn't that funny, Bo murmured, even though he felt some enjoyment in making her laugh. No, it certainly wasn't, Carly answered, a bright look on her face. I wouldn't take your show on the road yet. There was only one chair in the tiny room, and Bo was sitting on it. Carly jumped onto the bed, fluffed the pillow, then motioned for Bo to join her. With a surprised look, Bo remained in his chair. Oh, come on, Carly prodded. Sit next to me. I don't bite. Standing up from his chair and tying his robe, he succumbed to her request and dragged the chair next to the bed. I never get in bed with a girl on the first date. My daddy raised a gentleman, Bo said, smiling. Through the hospital's rehabilitation program, Bo changed. He took daily showers and worked out three days a week. The medication she reminded him to take was gradually being reduced. His physical appearance improved as he regained his muscle and strength. As if the planets were aligning in heaven, Bo's brain started making connections. He could recognize letters which blended into words. Words blended into sentences. Sentences bringing meaning to life. I'm starting to recognize letters and words, he said to her one day. I'm figuring out patterns the sentences are making. Memories are coming back, and life is making sense again. I knew you would, Carly assured him. I just didn't know how long it would take. Bo pulled a chain from around his neck. It was the dog tag of his fallen canine. As proud as a four-year-old reading his first book aloud. He began, I am Max, and I am a warrior, the braille-embossed graphics said. Bo wore this around his neck and never took it off. He told Carly that a military working dog was considered an NCO, non-commissioned officer. It was this tradition that kept canine handlers from mistreating their dogs, because the dog was always of a higher rank. Rank didn't matter to Bo. He loved his beautiful black-and-white Belgian sheepdog and would never have mistreated him. Carly and Bo became close. Any free time she had would be spent in Bo's room. They would eat lunch and play board games. They would sit on the edge of his bed, knees touching, while Bo would read to her. 
On this particular day, in the middle of a paragraph, Bo stopped and looked up from the page. What? What's wrong? Carly asked. I can't stand this numbness in my heart. A tortured look crossed Bo's face. Why did I live? And all my boys, including Max, didn't. Without you, I would have given up long ago. I almost did give up, Bo added, thinking about the plan he had to end his life. Bo reached and hugged Carly. Carly placed her arm over Bo's shoulder, and the two kissed. Would you like to talk about it? Sometimes it helps. I miss the guys, and I miss Max. He was such a good dog, and I loved him, Bo said, his voice cracking. Grabbing the chain from underneath his shirt, he let it dangle. I will never take off this tag. This is the only memory I have of him, and I'll keep it forever. It's okay, Carly murmured. Your feelings are natural, and I'm glad you're sharing them with me. I can't even imagine what you went through, but I do know that we'll get through this together. Taking Bo's face with both hands and looking directly into his eyes, Carly said, Don't ever give up. I feel what you're going through. Pulling the gold locket from under her smock, Carly showed it to Bo. I have this picture of my little brother, Artie. He drowned when he was eight. It's the last happy memory I have of him, and I never take it off. You'll never forget your men or Max, and I will never forget Artie. But as time passes, the hurt will get easier, Carly promised. It's already easier since I found you, Bo answered. The doctors are saying that I'm close to getting discharged. That's fantastic. Where are you going to go? Home, I guess. Back to Michigan? I really don't want to be a farmer, but I don't know much else. What about school? Carly asked. Never thought about it. Not sure I could get through it. I could help you. I've been thinking about what I'm going to do. Detroit has a great university. We could become hipsters and go to Wayne State. Are you being serious or just messing with me? Carly smiled. I'm not messing with you. Think about it. I've been here for almost a year. I think we know each other pretty well. We do, Carly. We really do, Bo said affectionately. I know you better than any other woman in my life. Well, next to my mom, that is. Your mom, Carly chuckled. I've heard you say that before. Is your mom English? No, that's just what my brother and I always called her. Well, I think that's cute. So is that a yes? Are we going to live together? Will you take care of me like you do here? If so, hell yeah. Carly gave Bo a peck on the cheek. You take care of me, and I'll take care of you. We'll be a team. Deal, Bo said, never taking his eyes off her as she walked out of the room. It was midnight, and Bo was tossing and turning, unable to sleep. His mind raced with the anxiety and anticipation of his discharge. Worried about the impending packing he still needed to do, Bo got out of bed, put on a shirt, and grabbed his old duffel bag from the closet. 
Kneeling on his hospital room floor, shoving socks and clothes into the tattered bag, Bo heard someone outside his hospital room door. Who's there? Bo asked, hoping it wasn't a nurse coming to take some blood or bringing papers for him to sign. The latch of the door handle turned, and Bo noticed the thin silhouettes of red stilettos just outside his door. Carly walked in, slow and sexy, with her index finger over her puckered lips, indicating not to make a sound. She held a cloth bag in her other hand, with a long wool trench coat skimming her body and hair pinned high atop her head, she made her way to the nightstand. Carly turned to Bo, raised her hand and released the clip that was holding her hair. Shaking her head slowly, her hair fell into disheveled strands of curls. Carly looked at Bo and said nothing. She reached into the bag and removed two lavender candles lit them, and then walked to Bo. The glow of the candles and the scent of the lavender transformed the dingy hospital room into a romantic getaway. The flickering candlelight accented her delicate features as she slowly unbuttoned her coat, exposing her smooth, silky skin. The coat slid to the floor, leaving Carly wearing nothing but her locket, Chanel, and four-inch red stilettos. Surprise, baby, Carly said. Bo jumped to his feet. What if someone comes in? That's the whole point, silly. It adds to the excitement. Carly removed her cell phone from the cloth bag and began to scroll through a pre-selected playlist. Hear what's playing? She asked. Adele. Love song, Bo answered. That's our song. Pouring two glasses of Pinot Noir that she also smuggled in, Carly handed one to Bo. Remember the iTunes gift cards you gave me? Bo nodded. Well, I made a version of a high-tech cassette tape of our favorite songs. My mom made a cassette for my dad when they first got married, and he was deployed without her. I used to listen to that tape all the time and played it over and over, thinking of how romantic it was for her to do that for him. I always thought to myself that I would do the same for my man, the one that I love. It may not be a cassette tape, but it's our playlist. We have music for the entire night, Carly said proudly. You see, Mr. Harris, I have this plan to seduce you. Carly inched closer. Seductive eyes blazed into his as she slid her tongue into his mouth. Bo pulled Carly's lean body tight to him. He could feel her firm breasts pressed into his chest. Carly led Bo by the hand to the bed, and the two sat. She lifted her glass and toasted, Here's to us and our new life in Detroit. As Carly sat, legs crossed, sipping her pinot. Bo noticed her shiver. You're freezing, babe, he said, retrieving her coat and placing it over her shoulders. Draining his glass, he placed it on the nightstand and slipped his hands between her waist and coat. Carly jumped as his cold hands touched her warm skin. 
Your hands are freaking cold, Carly said, pulling them from her waist and rubbing them. By now, both were standing, and Bo's hands were back inside her coat. Caressing the middle of her back, he gently made his way down to her buttocks. Her perfume wrapped around him as he kissed and nibbled up and down Carly's outstretched neck. Heart beating with excitement, Carly grabbed the bottom of Bo's shirt, brought it above his head, and threw it on the floor. Her hands now behind his neck, she grabbed him by the back of his hair and pulled him tight against her. Mouth opened, she placed her tongue in Bo's accepting mouth. With raging desire, Carly explored every inch of it. Reaching down and stroking her hair, Bo whispered, I'm alive because of you, Carly. As they held each other, Carly nuzzled her face into Bo's chest. Not another word was spoken, and they both fell asleep. The rattling sound of a gurney rolling down the hallway woke Carly. She jumped out of bed. Bo, Carly said as she vigorously shook a deep sleeping Bo. We gotta get up. Damn, you're being discharged in less than two hours. With his eyes open and the realization of what Carly said sinking in, Bo too jumped to his feet. Okay, okay, Bo answered, almost falling over putting on his boxers. Throwing on her wool coat and frantically grabbing the empty wine bottle, glasses, and candles, Carly tossed them in the bag and made her way to Bo. You have to take a shower and get ready to be discharged. I'll be back by 11 and pick you up in the lobby like we planned. Sounds good. I'll be ready. Walking down the hall, a disheveled Carly was getting more than a few looks. Looks like someone had a good night, Judy the head nurse cackled. As Carly walked by the nurse's station, she saw four of her close colleagues smiling at her. Trying to look dignified in her four-inch red stilettos and wearing her long wool coat, Carly stopped and replied, As a matter of fact, ladies, the night was not good. It was awesome. Good luck in Detroit, Nurse Judy said as Carly headed to the elevator. Bo's room was neatly packed. His duffel bag lay in the corner of the room and his bed was made. He was watching TV when Dr. Bennett and his nursing aide walked in. Good morning, Bo. Looks like you're ready to go, Dr. Bennett said. I am, sir. So ready. Shaking Bo's hand and going over the outpatient therapy he would be receiving in Michigan, Dr. Bennett wished him well. Thank you for everything, sir, Bo said as he placed his discharge papers in his duffel bag and headed to the lobby. What could be taking her so long, Bo thought, chewing on his bottom lip. He peered out the lobby window, looking for any sign of Carly. A ruckus in the hallway caused him to half-turn and look behind him. Running around the corner was a beautiful black-and-white Belgian sheepdog puppy. The puppy ran to Bo's feet, circling his ankles and nipping at his shoelaces. Surprise, baby! Carly shouted. Bo knelt on one knee and picked up the pup who squirmed and wriggled, wanting to be let down. He held the little guy close and ran his fingers through his thick fur. 
This is a direct descendant of Max, Carly said, beaming with pride. It turns out that dogs of Max's caliber that prove themselves in the theater of war have their semen harvested for future breeding. This pup has Max's DNA. I used my dad's good name and pulled some strings and got a little Max. It's good to have a colonel for a dad at times. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Wednesday for Episode 6 of Operation Arrow Fletcher by James Burns. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.